Для тех, кто смотрит, будет смотреть эту информацию. Господин Турчинов, господин Яценюк, господин Тернебок и же с ними. Я это заявляю открыто и достоверно знаю, что это проплаченные агенты Центрального разведуправления США. Ведь мало кто знает, что основной беспредел творил господин Ахметов Ренат Леонидович, господин Коломойский, глава Всемирного Еврейского Конгресса, господин Фирташ и же с ними. Все вот эти олигархи. А теперь это Просто прямая оккупация Соединенными Штатами Украины через подставных лиц. concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Wednesday, March 30th, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. An important show, an interesting discovery that was sent to me from a CIA document that I thought I had to focus on entirely today. I had a whole COVID section, as I keep saying over every other day, it seems that I put off or something else we're focusing on. But it's incredibly important to understand how this has been done for a long time. And it just is always, the parallels cannot be missed with the way they've conducted the COVID-19 PSYOP and how it's continuing to happen. And as it's rising back up and we will be addressing all the information as always. I mean, as we discussed yesterday, the fourth and fifth boosters and all the different discussions there and now the masks are coming back and it just, it never went away, which I was just talking about with somebody close to me the other day. As the Off-Guardian discussed, as plenty of us pointed out, this was not really an end to anything. It was a rollback of the narrative, and only the narrative changed. I mean, that's really what we need to understand. And a quick point on COVID, only the narrative changed. Everything stayed where it was. The infrastructure stayed where it was, and that was the whole point. Driving as far as we would let it go, and then, okay, pulling back for a minute. Then they step right back into the position they were at. Nothing changes. And now they're just pretending like all the admissions from before didn't even happen. So it's the same idea with the way that we're comparing these conversations today. I really, as we go through this today, I really want everybody comparing the discussion we're having. And this is around the context of post-World War II, so, you know, the, the, after the Soviet Union and how this all worked in regard to, I mean, not after, but with the Soviet Union and how this all worked in regard to the Afghanistan situation, the Mujahideen. It's exactly what we're talking about in regard to Ukraine and the way they drove what they what they discussed themselves as fascists, as ultranationalists inside Ukraine so they could throw it at the Soviet Union. It's exactly what they did with the Mujahideen. Now, whether or not they kept going with these groups and kept making them worse and worse and more dangerous, or as the Charlie Wilson movie they want to throw in front of you makes it look like they just kind of used it and said, okay, we're done, walked away, maybe. But as I always say, they'd much rather be seen as incompetent than criminal. So who ultimately knows? But what we can't miss is their fingerprints all over it. Uh, creating the groups we now use to justify, they now use to justify their many unjust and illegal things they do. 
So as we look at the Azov Battalion situation, and it's not just the Azov Battalion, but that's the easy focal point because they've broadened out into the entire military, not every single part of it, but influenced from top positions down, as well as the National Guard and the police force and everything we've talked about. But since we know the CIA was involved in creating this group to what it is right this moment from 2015 forward, we need to step back even further and ask ourselves, what has the CIA been doing in Ukraine since I mean, it, the document I'm discussing today talks from 1948 forward. But even before that, what were they building? What were they doing? And to what end? And we'll show you. And we need, again, like a point, the point I'm making is to stand back and look at the, the connection to everything they're doing and the way that they do this in every single location. And, the par- and what was the argument for why it was okay, at least looking back on it, that they worked with Nazis after World War II? Well, because the Soviet Union. Well, there you go. So when we pointed at it then, they said, no, they're not Nazis. That's not what you think. Back then, of course, there's no internet. There was no really a way to make this as large as it could be. But then you look back and that's how they justify it. What's happening now? You're working with Nazis. No, we're not, you crazy conspiracy theorists. Well, we're showing you that this is what's happening. And yet it's, and and even in real time, what are they using to argue? Well, that it's the Soviet Union. Well, it's Russia, right? It's the bad guy, Russia. So we're not admitting we're doing that. But if we were, we would be doing it because Russia, bad guy. You see the obvious coordination. It's the same thing they've been doing, building fascism and using it against the people they don't want. While then now seemingly putting it at your feet. Because it makes sense, right? You're now one of the people, you're one of their adversaries. Any American out there that's asking for free speech and for the ability to say what they want, you're now the adversary. You're the domestic terrorist on their list. We've seen how this has been built. So let's go through the documentation today. And you, as always, can do your due diligence and think for yourself. And you'll see what I'm seeing. Hopefully that this is as obvious as it's ever been. But before we get into that to go forward, I want to make sure you saw this amazing interview, which has gotten just incredibly low reach for some reason. I mean, I shouldn't say for some reason. I think I personally know why everything's seemingly low right now. The website, I'm talking to everybody across the platforms, Twitter, Facebook, just average people that are you know, saying things they don't supposed to be saying. And of course, they're being broadly throttled, reduced, censored, removed. So it's not a surprise to me that our website is have traffic like cut in half. But that's not what it's really about. If that's even accurate, by the way, because the website traffic and things like this are not immediately representative of the full picture, but they absolutely are the primary, the focal point, right? But we have BitChute and Odyssey and all these different platforms where all the content is being viewed. And as we know, our audience is much, much, much larger than they want us to think it is. So even that number could be manipulated. But nonetheless, the point is, please get this out there because Delania, I know, you know what? I'm so mad at myself right now for, for I, I made a point to, rec- to remember her last name and how to pronounce it from Taylor's excellent interview. And I just completely realized I, I don't want to try to accident <laughs> mistakenly saying it wrong because she deserves our respect. Delanya is knocking it out of the park and has been for a long time. This interview, and I'll just let you guys read it right here. U.S.-funded biolabs encircle U.S. enemies with dangerous experimentation. I mean, this is just provable stuff, guys. I mean, it is outrageously obvious what's going on. They just go, oh, yeah, we're that." They, when you basically they point at stuff they're doing and say that we're doing that. And they go, no, you're not fake. No, we're not fake news. And then when you dive into the explanation, they're basically going, yes, we're doing exactly that. But they're framing it as something negative, And we're doing it for your protection. Well, that's not the same thing as saying we're not doing that, right? It's, it's, it's like in the interview, I hope you guys watch this. There's a clip from Robert Cadillac being confronted by Delanya. And it's just unbelievable the way that they respond and the way that the entire European Union commun- uh, you know, uh, setting shouts her down for, while she's asking questions in the forum where they're supposed to be asked about these exact topics. 
And they just they basically just yell her down and say, we are do not have bioweapons programs, period. That's it. That's all you get. Except that you literally do. And you're working on bio labs and their research, but you just claim it's not for weapons. It's crazy. Same thing's happening today with all the stuff we're staring at. You are watching the reality and they just go, no, no, no. You're, I know you see Nazi symbols. I know you see these obvious extremists, but no, don't look at it like that. You got to look at it through the lens that Russia bad. So here, same thing. Please watch this. Very powerful. Taylor always does an excellent job with these interviews. So let's get started with the first document. This is directly from CIA.gov. Just in case there's any concern. Now, first thing we should point out, by the way, I just was talking about this. The first thought that I had, if this is literally posted on CIA.gov, my opinion is there's either one of two reasons that that's there because it's not real or because they want you to see it. So just think about that right out of the gate. Now, just because they want us to see this doesn't mean that we shouldn't discuss it and it's not important, but just keep that in mind. I don't know that for sure. It could also just be, as I also, the third option that I discussed with this person today was it could just be that there's a lot going on from administration to administration, from from you know group to group, to person to person, from decade to decade, where these things just find their way out through leaks, through whatever else, or malfeasance, through incompetence. That is something that happens. But just all that stuff being considered recognize that that it's right on their website should be taken into account. So this is secret eyes only. But nonetheless, the point is if it's on CIA.gov in the context of the the corporate media, the mainstream, this is real. Whatever that ultimately means, it's on their site, so it's reportable. So, but then take it with a grain of salt, right? December 8th, 1966 is when this was apparently written. Secret eyes only. Survey groups on proprietaries. Now, what this is going through is a discussion about an operation being conducted in and outside of Ukraine, but focused on Ukraine and focused on their extremists and being used against the Soviet Union. Number two, under objective, here's what it says. Now, I also want to say something right out of the gate. I've said before, and I really want us to make sure we understand this, the idea of a nationalist is not a dirty word. It's, it's, it's actually insulting that they're trying to conflate somebody who, who, wants, who is a nationalist, for whatever that would mean, simply believing strongly in their country and their roots and their history and their cult, whatever. But if you see, if you, if you look at the term, if you, if you address the idea of nationalism through a racial context, whether black or white or anything, well then yes, then that becomes something that is racist or however you want to frame it. But just because someone's a nationalist does not therefore mean they're an extremist or therefore mean they're a racist or white supremacist. It's just become this clumsy, clunky thing in the Western press. But it's not real. There are actually nationalists that are extremists, and there are those that are not nationalists that are also extremists, and every other group possibility in there in between. My point in saying that is that in this context, they are going after nationalists, but I'm going to show you why these nationalists in particular are very clearly also extremists to the extent of fascism. And that's the point. Because that can lead to fascism. But nonetheless, there's a whole bunch of nuance. There's the right word for it that they never want to point at. But the objective, nationalist flare-ups in widely scattered areas of the Soviet Union, and particularly those in the Ukraine, give evidence that the complete cohesion of the Soviet peoples toward which the Soviets have striven is far from accomplished. It is considered important to continue to encourage divisive manifestations among Ukrainians, which in turn exert pressure on the Soviet regime. And the Project Aerodynamic, all capitals, that's the name for this project, Project Aerodynamic, 
represents SB Division's only organized contact with a non-Russian people per se, a nationality group second in strength to the Russians through the ZP slash UHVR, and that's the group, that's just the name they use in this document, which is, is in parentheses says foreign representation, so foreign representation of the Ukrainian Supreme Liberation Council, the ZP UHVR, a group of anti-Soviet Ukrainian immigrants. Very important just to understand their so their whole point is we are what we're going to use this group to use against Soviet Union. And the SB division is what we're discussing here. This is the S just think the CIA in that in that context. So it goes on to say the ZP UHVR contacts with Soviet Ukrainians are being exploited to further the SB objective of recruiting Soviet citizens. And as an ancillary, intelligence on the USSR will be grant, gathered to satisfy United States needs. Now, just to be clear, what's funny about the way we can we talk about this stuff today, like when you look at Hannity with his CIA pen and he'll he'll wax intellectual about the crazy insight, you know, cloak and dagger things they do to fight for your freedom. But then when it comes when you want to discuss it in depth and context where they don't want you looking at that, they act like it's totally uncouth to even point at the reality that they're doing things like this which they are, and they happily say that when it's not, not something negative. Like the idea that they are actively, surreptitiously working inside another country, and in fact, exploiting individuals that don't know they're being exploited in order to get stuff that they, which is probably illegal, against a guy, a bad guy, right? And of course, we have to assume that they're a bad guy because they say they're a bad guy, and that they're not actually the bad guys, right? The point, though, is that what they're saying there is just interesting, and today, they're doing the same thing. So ask yourself why we would ignore that they could be doing that in the context of Ukraine, the Azov Italian, or inside Russia, exploiting things, creating false flags, lying about stuff, creating propaganda. I don't even know why we would question about that, because the point is, again, if it was framed by Huck Tuck or by Hannity or Tucker or anybody else in the context of fighting for freedom, then they would be like, hell yeah, we do those things, right? But when you look at it and you're like, man, those people just got exploded by some secret, they'd be like, well, we wouldn't be a part of that. Well, of course you would. It's just incredible how we are complete hypocrites today, the way we frame these things. But point is, going back to this, you can see that they were working from within this group to try to infiltrate inside this country and ex ex exploiting people to gather information for the satisfied needs of the United States, not for not for Ukraine and the people of Ukraine. Now, the ZPUHVR, and also to be clear, this is from 1966, so you, know, you could argue if you want that the entire thing changed, and all we do is fight for freedom today. Be quite naive, be naive of you, but you could say that through the pro and also for ignoring all the other things that have happened since that we've also proven, but I'll keep, I digress through the prologue. And this is the important part, research and publishing associate Inc in New York, the cover organization established to conduct its clandestine activity contributes to Ukrainian nationalist ferment and to intellectual resistance to Soviet repression. Now, the point is they created a chat, a show company. A fake company, or rather they hijacked this company. It seems to me through the documents that it seems like they created this company, but through the prologue, which prologue is the name, Research and Publishing Associates in New York, they basically use this as a, as a filter company to operate outside of the Ukraine, but, used, but as the CIA, which is supposed to be a crime, by the way, CIA is not supposed to operate inside the United States, but they always have, and nobody cares about it. Oh, one of the many things they do that are grossly illegal, but that nobody, because freedom, whatever. 
ultra the nationalist ferment. Now, this again, my point is just because they're nationalist doesn't mean that that's racist or bad. But I'm going to make a point to prove to you that the group that they're using are openly fascist, and it's the the exact definition of what we would even point at as fascist, the Italian version, right? That's the you know the the Mussolini and the whole discussion, right? So here, it's basically telling you that they're going for that, contributing to that ferment. And it says, and encouraging new deviationist tendencies among Soviet Ukrainians. Same thing they do everywhere else, in, in China, in anywhere else, Venezuela. They find the people that are unhappy for whatever reason, and they foment that, and they grow it, and they use it against them. And then when we point that, they go, you conspiracy theorists, even though they're on the record doing it. And if they point that at another context, they yell freedom because it's all good if Hannity points at it. You get my point? CIA support to Prologue is based on our knowledge that the more then 42 million Ukrainians in the Soviet Union represent a significant percentage of the non-Russian nationality groups in the Soviet Union, which comprise 45% of the total population of the USSR. Like, you could argue this is exactly what led to, at least in one regard, the fall of this power. You know, these 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 surreptitious, in, in which, and let's be clear, I promise you the Soviet Union was doing the exact same thing in reverse. So don't ever take it as a partisan point, which is what they want you to do. Assume, oh, he must be a Russian chill because he only points. No, just pointing out the obvious. Now it goes on to say, during the entire history of the Soviet Union, the nationalities have created and continue to create linguistic, ethnic, economic, and cultural conflicts. Going to the next part. Just on, oh, you can just see this part right here. The ZPUHVR is a small, tightly knit group of individuals. So at this point, it was tiny. And I believe this, when they, well, I, I'll let you, I'll read the dates as we go. But it was not what it became because of what they did. Now it says Project Aerodynamic operates, this is the CIA name for the operation. A Project Aerodynamic operates through the Prologue Research and Publishing Association, Inc., which was established in, in 1953 to conduct the clandestine activities of ZPUHVR. Right, so again, and I'll show you the date as we go further, 1948 is when this essentially began. In 1953, the CIA created this company. How is that even potential, I mean, even remotely legal? Then ask yourself why we wouldn't ask whether that's literally everything that's happening today. It doesn't have to just be the CIA. Think about the public-private partnerships, the World Economic Forum, and we were just talking about this. The whole reason, even Taylor's interview discussed this. The very reason they use these side companies instead of doing it themselves is because you're, they're not accountable. They don't have FOIA requests. You can't ask them, but it's still the government operation. They've sidestepped accountability this way for decades. We're only just really coming around to it, it would seem. The whole public-private partnership is literally what the World Economic Forum is built on. The point here is they built this company, operates out of New York to conduct foreign CIA clandestine activities, both in Ukraine and the United States. That's crazy. And we haven't even gotten to the good part yet. Now, Mr. Makola Libid, important, was appointed president of Prologue, the CIA shell company for this operation, and became the principal agent for Project Aerodynamic. So there's no denying he's involved with this. He is one of the six individuals of the ZPUHVR who is witting of CIA support. So they, they even write it down. He knows we're working, that this is the CIA and that we're working this and this is the, our operation and he's a puppet for the CIA. Well, he may not think that, but he knows the CIA is involved and he's working with the CIA. I found that very interesting because of what this person is, <laughs> which just let's be clear, if we're talking about the as a battalion, how distasteful, how dare you suggest we would do such a thing? Well, here they are doing the same thing. Makola Lebed 
one of the only few remaining top-level leaders of the Organization of Ukrainian Nationalists. Now, this was written in, uh, here, let me just do this. I don't want to lose this spot. Forgot to remember what the date was. This is the Ukrainian Weekly from 1998. And you can look this person up for yourself, and I'll show you next. The point is just, this is just the first thing that I grabbed when I came up and looking for him. And we looked at, looked into the company itself. The Organization of Ukrainian Nationalists. Now, again, just nationalist isn't necessarily a negative thing. But when you look into the company itself, let's just do this first since I mentioned them first. The Organization of Ukrainian Nationalists was a Ukrainian ultra-nationalist, ultra-nationalist. Well, now we're getting into something. Political organization established all the way back in 1929. But remember, in general, it was not what, until until the CIA poked its fingers into it, it was not even remotely what it became. It emerged as a union between the Ukrainian military organization, smaller radical right-wing groups, and right-wing Ukrainian nationalists. Now, the ideology, <clears throat> here's the important part, of the organization of Ukrainian nationalists which is described by these people involved in it as similar to Italian fascism. So there's really no confusing what we're talking about here. We're talking about a group that was chosen because of their extremism, at least in the context of how the world views it. I mean, literally coming right out of World War II, we're going to pretend like they don't realize they're using yet again the fascist threat and using it to throw against them and probably use it to blame on them like they've done before. You can get hypothetical all day. The bottom line is, here they are, building the very thing that we're now seeing and they're now pretending isn't really what we think it is. Now, whether or not this went was used against the Soviet Union and then it just was left there, sort of like with the Afghanistan situation or how the story goes, or it was cultivated ever since. We cannot ignore that they grew this just like every other thing we point at. And whether or not they kept going until now is sort of irrelevant other than, I mean, it's not irrelevant, but in the context of knowing that they're behind it from the beginning. You can't keep blaming somebody else when you are the ones that create the threat, whether or not you lose control of it and it falls into some other location. I mean, this is just incompetence at very, very least. And criminal level incompetence. You're literally creating things that are murdering people around the world or cultivating, growing, and giving weapons to things that are killing people around the world and then backing away and acting like you're not responsible for it. This is the definition of criminal. I mean, this guy is the definition of terrorism, literally terrorism, using violence to achieve political ends. That's the actual definition of terrorism, no how many times they try to change it. So the point, oh, here, let me close this. Here is Mykola Labid. This is what it literally says on the Wikipedia page of the person, by the way, that the CIA, this document at the very least, says they handpicked to be the president of the shell company, to be a part of this specific aerodynamic operation, which we just read to you, was about infiltrating Ukraine, Soviet Union, and the United States in regard to Ukrainian extremism, or specifically ultranationalism. And he knew he was working for the CIA. Well, here is what he is, according to even Wikipedia today. Now, as I always say, Wikipedia does not mean that it's actually accurate. In fact, that's quite a big question for me in most Wikipedia pages. But what it does mean is it's what they sort of want you to think or the mass adoption, both of which is what we tend to do on the show. Debunking the narrative from within the narrative, right? People just have a hard time understanding that with the partisanship today. But Mykola Labid was a Ukrainian political activist, Ukrainian nationalist, and a guerrilla fighter. Shocking, I know. He was among those tried, convicted, and imprisoned for the murder of Polish interior minister in 1934. So understand that. So he was already in prison and found guilty of murdering a political prime minister 
or interior minister, excuse me, and they, and they handpicked him to be the president of this operation or the company conduct which, through which they conducted. Yeah, because they certainly care about good and bad, right? About right and wrong, right? Totally. The court sentenced him to death. But of course, the state commuted that sentence to life imprisonment. I wonder who stuck their fingers in that. He escaped when the Germans invaded Poland in 1939. As leader of the OUN, which is the group we just pointed at, right? That's this group, Organization of Ukrainian Nationalists. This is the leader of that group. He is responsible for the genocide of Polish people in, in uh, Volhynia and Eastern Gal- Galicia, if I'm pronouncing those correctly. Yet again, so this person committed open genocide, murdered an interior minister, went to prison for it, and was committed to death. And he escaped that. And they said, that guy's perfect to lead this operation inside New York. Perfect. Just recognize the kind of people these entities have always worked with. Osama bin Laden, uh, Saddam Hussein. I mean, you just keep going. Over and over and over, they're the guilty hands involved with the people they later point at as the problem. (laughs) It's all battalion, right? Come on, guys. This couldn't be more clear today. In, and by the way, I think if we wouldn't, if we hadn't have exposed that the Azov Battalion was literally tied directly to the CIA, they'd probably be using it that way right now. Just a guess. I think the whole point it probably still is to blame it on somebody else, like Russia or whoever else. But now they have force to explain why they're not what you think they are, even though it's obvious they are. Now, in 2009, the United States Congress directed the National Archives and Records Administration to review declassified intelligence records pertaining to the activities of the Nazis and the Japanese imperial government that were not processed in time for the Nazi war crimes and Japanese imperial government records interagency working group's final report in 2007. Yeah, I, I bet you that's simply because they were trying to keep away, you know, the Dr. Ishii stuff and the Nazi paper, Operation Paperclip stuff and, you know, just, yeah, just processing slowed. Yeah, I'm sure. Just just my thoughts, even though that's, you know, that stuff was never really addressed, right? Operation Paperclip was a complete fake news conspiracy theory up until it wasn't. Dr. Ishii is the foundation for the bioweapons program this country, this government still conducts. And these are horrific things that happened during World War II on the side of the, they were fighting, right? Just wait till the end when we get into yet again explaining why it's obvious the U.S. government worked with Nazis during World War II. And it's not even a secret. This is declassified information. But we are not today. Fake news. But getting ahead of myself, I digress again. The follow-up report. From the IWG's Richard Brightman and Norman uh, J.W. Goda included a discussion of Labed's relationship. Mikola Labed, the president of the company the CIA is using, of his relationship with the CIA during the Cold War. So this guy went back before this. Or excuse me, in, in the same, this is the same time frame we're talking about, and it does go back before, but the point is they're talking about the same thing we're pointing at. In 1949, he immigrated to the United States and lived in New York. Well, why? To become the president of Prologue, as they list right there. Through Prologue Research Corporation, his CIA-funded organization, he gathered intelligence on the Soviet Union as late into the 1960s. The CIA project name for the operation was Aerodynamic. The report stated that he, that as late as 1991, the CIA, for fear of compromising the operation and triggering outrage, in 1991, Within the Ukrainian immigrant community, shielded Lebed from prosecution for war crimes by preventing the United States Department of Justice's Office Special Investigations from learning about his wartime connections to the Nazis. Look at that. Nice little bow. Okay, so this guy had overt war ties to the Nazis during World War II. He was shielded by the U.S. government, like all the others we point to, and became a central part of their CIA operation in regard to building fascism in Ukraine to throw at the Soviet Union. You follow? 
And this guy never went to jail, or at least in the context of what we're talking about now, after he got out of his, de- his death sentence in Germany or, uh, or wherever that happened uh, in Poland or no. Yes. Poland. He escaped when the Germans invaded Poland. I mean, it's just, it's just unreal. This is on Wikipedia for crying out loud. Now, the fact that they protected him, despite that, shows you that they don't care about the crimes. They only care about what they can achieve by using him. It's exactly like we're seeing everywhere else. So going back to the point, this guy was the, was the head leader of the organization of Ukrainian nationalists as a guerrilla fighter who is, they, they compare to fascism from the Italian version of fascism, right? The guy himself was the leader of that exactly. And on top of that, uh, where was the point? Well, I'm guessing where that part was. The bottom line was he was this group. Oh, back to this, in fact, that they used him as the head of this group, knowing all of this, got him as a a Nazi war criminal and everything else we've talked about. And yet they pick him, handpick him as the leader of this company, as the leader of this group, specifically to infiltrate this entity. This is exactly what we're talking about today. You can look at the Azov Italian, you can look look at any other group we're discussing. The moderate rebels in Syria, these people only seem to know one of three plays. I've been saying this for a decade. (laughs) Play one, two, or three, just a different variation of it. We need to start paying attention to how they're doing this, and as they're trying to frame anybody in anywhere other than themselves and what we can clearly prove. Now, going forward on this, they say he is one of six individuals of the ZPUHVR, this group they're pointing at, who is a witting supporter or witting of the CIA support. Reverend Ivan Hernock, who is the, was the vice president of Prologue, who's located in Munich. Now, I find it interesting. There's a lot of Germany connections to this, which a lot of people would say exactly. But there's a lot of interesting ties to all of this, including how we just had this really weird story about how they were sending Holocaust survivors to Germany during this process, which just seems like a strange choice other than to make some kind of political statement. And of course, on top of that, they never really get into whether they're afraid of the Ukrainian the Ukrainian government or the bombs that were landing. They just, you know, either way. But what's interesting is you can see this all the way back to now that there's an interesting connection to Germany throughout all of this. And that's, again, speaks to the larger manipulation of all of it was happening. And that there were plays on both sides of this and whether we've always been manipulated about what's really going on. Not officially listed on the payroll of the Munich office. Going forward. Oh, you know what I was? I forgot I was going to look for more. But you, I wanted to look for more in general. Because trust me, there, this guy seems like a fouled character. And I mean, look, look at this headline, right? To catch a Nazi. I mean, this guy is a Nazi war criminal. And we're now quibbling about the fact that they would work alongside neo-Nazis that they've grown for decades. It's just, it's crazy. But in the interest of time, this is the next part I want to get into. Original requirement for project. Project aerodynamic originated in Munich, Germany. Isn't that interesting? Like, this does not make sense unless you realize that their story we're always fed is just not the full truth. When it began in 1950, it combined PPFI and CE aspects. In 1955, CE operations were carried under Project uh, AE Carthage, and the FI functions were incorporated under Project uh, AE Acre. The PP operations centered on Project Aerodynamics. CIA support has been renewed annually since then. Annually, since then. And this reports 1966, so you can understand that. But in 1948, as the result of the intensive agency study. So that's when this began. 
three years after they ended World War II. The agency chose to work with the ZP-8UHVR because it was the most operationally reliable and politically most acceptable. I mean, how do you even make sense of that? Like, this is not a document that was being presented to the media. So it's not. So we would assume, I guess, for this moment that this is what they actually thought. But you, you know, question that as, as anything. So they're writing down, we're working with this war, Nazi war criminal. We're working with the ultra-fascist Nazi extre- the extremist <laughs> groups in Ukraine. And we're picking them because they're the most politically acceptable. <laughs> okay, so does that mean that it's because they were looking for the worst of the worst? Or because they're aligned with them? I don't know. You, t- you pick your perception there. Just recognize that they're claiming these extremist groups were the most politically acceptable for them. That's pretty damn revealing to me. Now it says, it is true, an internal movement does not actively exist at present. Okay, so again, guys, they created this. They they plucked out of obscurity a small group that had not much going on. As it says right there, it is true that the internal movement that they're talking about didn't really act, it wasn't really in existence at that time. However, many members of the old movement Plus, many young supporters are alive today, and the feeling of nationalism is still very much alive. So, see, they were picking out and trying to revive that very ultra-nationalism that we're pointing at today as the problem. And it wasn't there. It dissipated. Because, you know, and you can make the same argument today that it really wasn't until they made it the case. Would there have been the Aza Battalion the way it is today if they hadn't have grown it, supported it, armed it, gave it political cover? Probably not. Maybe. But if we're if if this is the example that we're going, look, they weren't even there anymore, and they're the ones that said, get that, get that group right there. They still believe in the nationalism. Let's bring that back. The importance of this group to the agency, the CIA, is that it represents a channel of political force into the Ukrainian immigration all over the world. Why all over the world? Doesn't that seem interesting? Maybe there's more going on with Ukraine as like a kind of the way people theorize about North Korea being just like a CIA build out. Maybe that's what this became. These are just thoughts. I can't prove that. But ask yourself why they're talking about this group in general representing a political force into the Ukrainian immigration all over the world. It seems like a network to me. Then it says which consists of several million people. Now, whether they mean the Ukrainian immigration or they mean the political force into that immigration. It's up for you to decide, I guess. But let's know that they would use whatever they can to do whatever they want. Supporters of the ZPUHVR, the group, are found wherever the Ukrainian immigration exists. So there's your answer right there. This group, who they control, the president, vice president, then people write down, actually make sure I didn't miss that. Okay, yeah, it comes up next. It talks about the people that are involved and not. Is Is the controlling group. Supporters of this group are found wherever Ukrainian immigration exists. So now that they've outsourced this immigration all around the world, sort of like is happening right now from Ukraine supposed immigrants that they're bringing everywhere that who knows what they could include. That's my point the other day. It's interesting how they couldn't stop talking about how Syrian immigrants or Venezuelan immigrants were all, you know, you know, military aged men with no women. And, you know, which there is some truth to that. But there was also political manipulation there, too. But isn't it funny how they just don't want to talk about that context now, even though it's the most valid time to do so? Nope. You're a racist if you say that in this context, but we weren't before because we're hypocrites. 
the point is that if you're doing this and you know you have control of these groups, which are in any, which are found, as they say, anywhere that happens, well, that's a very interesting network of CIA-controlled, influenced people. It says the publication, the publications of the group that they're making through this prologue company and everywhere else are used for the dissemination of pro-Western ideologies. So do the Ukrainians know that? Right? Do the Ukrainian people, who largely, as I understand, they don't even support these groups and these government, do they understand, do the Azov Italian understand that they're not actually disseminating their, they're being, their tools to disseminate pro-Western ideology? Right? Just like I argue that some of these, the Kurds or whoever else don't realize that they're just tools for this agenda. The Kurds should know by now after the 17th time they're thrown under the bus and then picked back up again. I think it's been like six, but whatever. The point is that this is an obvious agenda, and it could not be more clear. <clears throat> Recommended change to an exclusive use funding instrument with nominal attribution. Basically, this is a point where they're saying we, we argue we should change the way that we're funding these people. All right, so remember, 1948, this is 1966, the document's being written. So they're recommending a change to the exclusive use funding instrument that they're currently using. This proposed change in funding instruments, which, by the way, is using your tax dollars and always was, even though you don't know what's happening, was based on SB's, the CIA's view that the U.S. government support for the project is widely surmised among the Ukrainian communities. So what this says, for those who didn't get the point, the people they're manipulating, the actual Ukrainian communities, not the fake groups they're inserting into it, but the actual communities are well aware that the CIA is doing this. Isn't that interesting? Because usually the idea is propagandizing the American people. Sort of like they use, you know, white helmets have white English writing all over it because they want you to think they're a certain thing. The people on the ground in Syria know that's the CIA. They know those aren't really the actual civil defense group because that's, that group's already there. They already exist. That's not real. It's very obvious. The people in these communities are aware. So what they're trying to do is shift into pay, paying them for something else in hopes that it kind of goes away. That's how I read that, but that's obviously what it says. The people already understand that the government is involved with what's happening. Believe that the group probably has not been penetrated by the enemy because of there not being additions to the groups at a certain time frame. Only reason I include that is, and it was 1966, so it could be from there. Is that the point is that they're always trying to make it out to be that anything like this is only because of that guy over there, not because we built it. So the point is, even as in 1966, their own statement is we weren't influenced or infiltrated. So everything bad up until then, at the very least on their own record, is that they were responsible for, as much as they'll always try to offshoot it to somebody else like they're doing now. The premises of Prologue, the group that the, the the company they created, are located in a large residential apartment building in New York. How many do you think are like that today? And ask yourself this: If we asked, are those companies being used as cutouts for the CIA? They'd call you a conspiracy theorist, right? Is Israel using these companies with them to do? Oh, you racist! Even though it's verifiable, yep, happens all the time. I bet you it's more than we possibly imagine. Fake companies, public-private partnerships. That's the world we live in today. The cover activity of the group is such as to provide plausible cover for its clandestine activity. Like just written right there. So what they do is fake. It's not real. We don't actually, we, it's just simple cover because we're doing spy activities, right? We are breaking the law. 
Its members have been attacked for being lackeys of Western intelligence organizations. Oh, gee, maybe because they literally are. But when they got attacked, guess what? They called them racist. They called them criminals. Recently, a visiting Soviet citizen has even said he knew Prologue was supported by the CIA. Well, doesn't that seem interestingly like what we just watched in the beginning, where this guy literally tells you that's exactly what's been happening, except he's talking about 2014 forward? Well, he's more right than he knows. Now he goes on to talk about uh, Kolomoisky, which we'll mention again in a moment, which, by the way, I hope you guys, there's an incredibly obvious connection right there, which I'm not sure if I've decided whether Kolomoisky is simply going to be used as scapegoat or he's a central player and is, you know, and kind of, there's a there's a, a couple different thought lines of thought on it. Either way, it's obvious that we can prove now Kolomoisky, who's the entire cheap backer, entire almost backer of Zelensky's campaign, his security, his vehicles, I mean everything, and is also a, a key funder of the Azov Battalion, right? And and he's connect. He lives in Tel Aviv. His son's name is Israel. For crying out loud, they're they're very clearly tied back to the Israeli government. So my point is. Can we not see the obvious coordination between this effort to where they're building this? Now, I, I just don't know whether he's being used as a scapegoat or he's a central player. The point, as always, was to build this and lay it at the feet of Russia. That's what I think is happening. Now, this, this next part goes into, it says, he and the operations officer have always been responsive to headquarters control, which simply points out when they're talking about the the president and the operations officer, the people around this in regard to the fake company they built have always been responsive to headquarters control. All that really means is that the CIA is directly controlling what they do. Headquarters control. Yearly, they, and again, they even point out that they do yearly CIA audits of the books. Like, so this, they're not even in control of what's happening. The CIA is literally operating this company inside the United States, which is a gigantic crime. Now, what's interesting down here, under funding, presently, Project Aerodynamic is funded through blank, I mean, they, they, they cut this stuff out. So it's interesting, again, my point to the very beginning, so why is this posted if they've already gone through and like edited things out? Maybe because they want us to see this for some reason. So keep that in mind. On the basis of the request, notifies the blank to make quarterly contributions to Prologue. Blank draws a check for the amount requested on the blank. <laughs> it's, just, it's just ridiculous how they're even, this is clandestine, op- I mean, it's just weird, right? Prologue deposits the check into its account at the Chemical Bank New York Trust Company. That's interesting. They say contributions approved by the trustees of blank and blank is a legal entity established by the CIA. Right. I mean, this is just a shell game of shell games. But I want to quickly point out that there's there's just because they have an account at the Chemical Bank, we should point out, doesn't necessarily mean that Chemical Bank was aware of that. But my personal opinion is that I I don't know how that would be possible. I mean, the chemical bank, I mean, any bank that's working along, I would argue that there's some kind of connection there where they are told they're helping fight for freedom or whatever. My point is I find the timing of this interesting. Chemical bank was, the, it was the, at the end of 1995, the third largest bank in the United States. 
with 39,000 employees around the world. Perfect for the CIA operation, right? But check this out. Chemical received its national charter as the Chemical National Bank of New York in 1865 at the urging of the Secretary of the Treasury. This allowed Chemical to issue government-backed national banknotes to the forerunner to paper money. By the early 1870s, Chemical had accumulated deposits in excess of $6 million. Well, you know, I, I forget what, that's something that connected in my mind that. In any case, I find it interesting. There was a point that I was going to make there, and I can't remember now. The, the interesting part of it, though, is that we have this massive bank company, this comp- bank, one of the largest since 1995 in the world, in the you know, U.S., that has employees all around the world. I just want us to think about the kind of networks the CIA has been building for decades and decades and decades and what that really means for what we think is actually happening. Now, finally, under personnel, <clears throat> personal personnel, prologue employs seven full-time and seven part-time individuals. Of, uh, let me do this real quick. Okay, good. Of the seven full-time employees, I thought I'd, hold on. There you go. Make sure that's right. Okay. Of the seven full-time employees, one, the treasurer, is employed in financial activity about 30% of the time. So that's it. 70% of the financial activities conducted by the CIA. The remainder operationally, one full-time clerical employee and one whose time is divided between clerical and operational activity. The remainder are engaged in operational activity. We're talking about clandestine activity, guys, except for the president who is engaged in managerial activity in addition to operational activity. The president being this guy, we just pointed out, Makola Labed, an open war criminal. Not only a war criminal, murderer, war criminal, guerrilla, extremist. Like the very exact kind of thing they're always funding. Now it says the remainder, uh, and then it says of the seven part-time employees, three are clerical and operational contact operations against the Soviet. Like, look at this. Contact operations against Soviet citizens. Now you wonder what that even means, right? Think about all the stuff that's happening right now against Russian people. Like not, not Russian government, but Russian people. And we act like that's okay because we don't want to address how it's openly racist and openly bigoted because that's just okay right now. The very people that scream about how we have a problem with racism and a problem with all this stuff are the very ones hating on Russians in every possible way, basically boxing them out of the world financial situation because they're Russian, which is disgusting, and you're all disgusting. And somewhere in there, you know you're disgusting. In addition, there are seven full-time employees in the Munich office. Yeah, it's strange that it's the only outside things are specific, but it goes on to say, basically... Munich also maintains three associate editors in an average cost of 280 per annum. And they're editors. They're producing propaganda content. Five of the prologue employees are witting, the remainder unwitting. Meaning plenty more involved in this were well aware they're working for the CIA. None of the Munich employees are witting of the CIA support. Interesting. With the exception of, and they just list them and they, they don't say their names in a lot of these cases, who is not carried out of the Munich payroll. As, and so why would that be, right? Why would you not pay them? Because there's something weird there. They're manipulating something from the Germany's end as well. As stated in the foregoing, to preclude censure by his bishop for participation in clandestine activities, he is a sort of silent partner. That was the reverend we pointed out before. Responsible for the managerial activities of the Munich office. None of the prologue or Munich office employees is under contract. There is merely a memorandum of oral agreement with the principal agent. This is what it looks like to conduct a clandestine CIA operation around the world and on U.S. soil to build the very fascism that we're now being 
I guess, I guess it's now being kind of disregarded simultaneously laid at the feet of Putin for some dis, I mean, some unknown reason, unevidenced reason, baseless. Now, let's point briefly at an article from 2001. And guys, I don't even understand why we can be at a point where we're pretending like this didn't, I mean, if you brought this up on Twitter right now, you'd be called a conspiracy theorist. Because they've been convinced by the breathless reports of Hannity and Tucker, whoever else, that this is, of course, both sides. I don't mean, you know, as always, <laughs> two-party illusion. Anybody lost in the two-party illusion. That this is fake news because we're freedom fighters and we would never do that. Well, that's, you know, you only care about truth insofar as it points at one side of the paradigm. The CIA's worst kept secret. Newly declassified files. So this is not deniable. Confirm the United States government collaboration with Nazis. Now, this is not just talking about Prop Operation Paperclip, Dr. Ishii. Guys, this is talking about a lot of other things. And this goes, this goes to during the war, by the way. Plenty of evidence around this. This is CIA manipulation. Although he was wanted in Poland for war crimes, Ansberg managed to integrate himself with the U.S. CIA. Oh, weird. Just like this other Nazi war criminal we just pointed out. Seems like a running theme, which employed him in the late 1940s as an expert on Soviet affairs. There's another running theme. So as long as they're a bad, they hate the Soviet Union, well, we'll have, we don't, who cares what they've done? Recently released CIA records indicate that Onsberg was among, and his full name is Emil Onsberg, was among a rogues gallery of Nazi war criminals literally recruited by the U.S. intelligence agency shortly after Germany surrendered to the Allies. Right. So instead of going, you're the very people we pretended we were fighting, we say, oh, you did terrible, terrible things. We'll come over and work for us then. Does that paint the image of a person fighting negative things to stop bad stuff? No, that's an image of people fighting the person that's vying for control over them, taking power from their hands and fighting for power and using whatever in front of you. Who cares if they're Nazi criminals? Who cares? We weren't fighting them to stop their war criminals. We were fighting to stop them from being more powerful than we are, just like today. But yeah, just scream freedom as long as you work along. If you work alongside the worst of the worst of the worst, as long as you yell that word, it's all okay, apparently. The CIA reports show that U.S. officials knew they were subsidizing numerous Third Reich veterans who had committed horrible crimes against humanity. But these atrocities were overlooked as, of course, just like we see today from one part of the paradigm, the anti-communist crusade acquiring its own momentum. Look, if you guys keep going, well, communism is the biggest problem in the world, well, you're, you're lost in a two-party paradigm. Any one of these governments, communism included, are dangerous if they're allowed to centralize power at the top. Look at where we are with our so-called democracy right now. And yes, communism is just as dangerous. I'm not promoting one or the other. They're all bad. Government equals bad in my mind. But see, people just don't want to hear. They want me to pick a choice or pick a, picks a side. But that's how our binary world works today. Just like they're doing now, where it's okay to overlook this very obvious neo-Nazi extremist thing because, well, communism, because Soviet Union, because Russia, because whatever. For Nazis who would otherwise have been charged with war crimes, Signing on with American intelligence enabled them to avoid a prison term. Now, yeah, you could argue this was all about doing good things and, you know, getting the information from them because they knew stuff we needed and it was all about that. It was fighting for freedom. Sure, that might make sense if you just ignore everything that happened after that or everything that happened before that. That's what This is a willful ignorance if you just want to believe they're good guys fighting for good things. The obvious reality, not narrative, but action, 
shows you what they are. And it's just like what's happening today. If you just want to go, no, no, they're fighting for freedom. And now he's all battalion. They change and they're fighting for you now. And it's just narrative. It's not even true. And the current data shows you opposite. Here is another point to make. Not just about the Nazis, not just about World War II. How about 35 countries where the U.S. government has supported fascists? Drug lords and terrorists, you know, the very thing they're always, the very multitude of things they use to justify their foreign adventurism, fascism, communism, drug lords, terrorists, as they work with all of them and fund all of them and pretend they're doing good things. As the situation in Ukraine continues to fester, a handy history guide. But guess what, guys? That was written in 2014, right? They're pointing at the illegal regime change, and that's the good, the point they're making here. But it's funny how weirdly relevant it is right now. And also in regard to Ukraine, right? Because this is the same agenda. It didn't stop. As they jokingly write from A, Argentina to Z, Zaire. And it's not even a joke. I mean, it's amazing what we choose to ignore as Americans. I mean, I, do I, I mean I'll just go through them. Where were we at on time? We're at 53. That's perfect. I'm almost done. For those that didn't know, by the way, there's a tornado heading my way, apparently, <laughs> which is Tennessee. Seems like every other 30 seconds is a tornado. So I'm just trying to get through this reasonably quick so I can get back to a reasonably safe location. But Afghanistan in the 1980s, not today, and it still still goes to today, still happens. Albania, Argentina, Brazil. Now, look, I argue, I wish I want you to take the time to read, digest and understand every single one of these. Like if I sat there and read every paragraph of these, it would add on another 30, 40 minutes to the show. I want you guys to read these and understand this is not hypothetical, guys. They have committed these things. And especially when you go back like pre-1980s, it was all in the, like right on the open. We're, yeah, we're fighting for that fruit company down in Argentina or South America. It's just, it's, it's because they, they didn't think people were smart enough or had the ability to share information fast enough to make a difference. Well, the, the tool they thought they were going to use against us, the internet, very clearly went the other direction today, which, by the way, is what the Great Reset is so necessary for them because they need to get rid of anonymity. They need to get rid of our ability to share freely information or say things we're not supposed to say. But read each one of them because you'll find in every example they are backing fascist war criminals and terrorists or, and or terrorists and drug lords. Albania, Argentina, Brazil, Cambodia, Chile. China, Colombia, Cuba, El Salvador, France, Ghana, Greece, Guatemala, Haiti, Honduras, Indonesia, Iran, Israel, Iraq, Korea, Laos, Libya, Mexico, Myanmar, Nicaragua, Pakistan, Saudi Arabia, Turkey, Panama, the Philippines, Syria, or Uruguay, Yugoslavia, Zaire. And by the way, that's not even all of them, guys. This is, and, I mean, and the bottom line is that these people, whether the CIA, the U.S. government, the Israeli government, the French government, the U.K. government, they are openly, to some degree, supporting some of the worst people in the world. You need to look no better, no further than Saudi Arabia. Like, we are children if we can't rectify this in our minds. How do you in the world pretend you're fighting a war on fascism, a war on anything that has anything to do with top-down control with, with authoritarianism while well, you are partnered with a leading partner in the middle as Saudi Arabia. I mean, they are still crucifying people. They are still killing people for holding hands in public. They are literally hanging and beheading people in the public square. They are openly authoritarian, fascist, tyrannical, any word you want to throw in there. 
And, and by the way, don't forget, their Wahhabi ideology is literally the foundation for ISIS and everything we point at. But let's pretend like that's not a connection at all. And that they've openly stated they haven't. I mean, there's so many things we choose to ignore. Like I was, I'm, I'm just on a quick side note. I was laughing today about a comment on Twitter where we were discussing the idea of the booster shot. And I simply just put a comment out going, guys, it's just, this is just dangerous, irresponsible, and not backed up by the science. And some bleeding child comes in and goes, you're, you're not a doctor. What do you know? And it's just, it's just ridiculous. And I'm like, it's just, it, I, don't, I don't know. As I said, I'm not even going to waste the time to post peer-reviewed studies that you're just going to disregard or post a fact check in response to. Like, if that guy cared enough, he would have already seen the information that's out there. The point is that these people will refuse to acknowledge the obvious that's right in front of them because of political investment or because they're backing choices they've already made. Either way, none of that has to do with the reality in front of us. Right? I mean, I could go into the reality about how they've admitted these things aren't actually. I mean, there's a thousand examples about their own claims around the fact that we don't know how many people have died because you're using PIC and you're using pneumonia and all these different things and you're using PCR tests with false positives. And it goes on and on. But to them, it's an absolute. You see, and it's just that ridiculous. This has always been the reality. And even the Western press will point at it when they're allowed to. Now, finally, I want to go over a couple of quick points about things that are actually happening on the ground. Some insights to the, the very people that we're discussing here, right? Now, whether or not that thing we just discussed became the Azab Battalion, or it was like the Mujahideen argument was just sort of ignored and allowed to fester until they decided to come back and use it again. Either way, guys, what you're seeing today is absolutely a cut out, a build, a creation of the very people we just discussed. And I'll come back again to these, the idea of how they've been doing this in regard to create the very threat they then just used to justify, like they have in Syria, Afghanistan, Iraq, and every other place we point that. On the record, but yet this one's fake news, right? Ukraine, the new Al-Qaeda. They are creating that. Here, and I'll get to that more to finish up at the end, here is a clip of children, or rather adolescents, but children as well, who are on the record, like a thousand other on-the-record videos from different locations and different people and different outlets, but apparently they're all fake without any due diligence on it, while they roundly post and don't even look at open fakes that are easy to prove, direct from video games and all. I mean, I'll even show you in a really embarrassing example of where they break down this video. Oh, I don't think I got into it, actually. Maybe I did. We'll come back to it. Well, like basically the BBC is like breaking down this thing and look here are why the windows look like they're off center, which maybe means they fake the image. And I'm just going, sure, good, do that. But how about you do it on every other thing that's coming from Ukraine? Nope, nope, no. They just love to blindly, blindly state, here's what they said and here's the reality. Oh, oh, and here's where the directly from the video game that they took it from. Oh, we don't see that. La, la, la. We're not going to talk about it, but we'll break down hypothetical things we don't know for sure because we don't want you to, we want you to at least question whether these things are real, which by the way, you're already doing if you're smart whatever side it comes from. Doubt, question, everything. But be open to every possibility at the same time. Evidence is what we need. Now check this out. We had to cross Peace Avenue Street. After that were the DPR forces. Sorry, it's, it's angular. If I flipped it, then the, the words would be off, center, off on the side, but I'll just read it as we go. But this is a guy sitting and discussing this with somebody who's filming them after they fled from the Ukraine-controlled territory. We had, uh, had to cross that street. We asked if we could cross, and the Azovs were in the windows of the, of the nine-story residential block. 
they asked where we were going. We said we have to cross. We can't stay any longer. The tiles of the house have been destroyed. And right then, by the way, you should ask whether or not they were destroyed by Ukrainian forces, which, I mean, more than not that we that we talk that we see talk to after they leave Ukraine territory are going we we literally watched the Ukraine Azov forces attack our town and then blame Russia. We watched it happen. Sure, that could be lying, but I don't know why you would just assume that without doing your due diligence. Right? Just because the news says so without any backing it up does not mean anything at this point. Then it says they said we could go, but as we left, they were shooting from the windows at our feet. Bullets were simply flying past our legs. That is about the 15th example of somebody telling us that they're being shot at by the Ukrainian forces if they try to leave. What does that show you? They're not being allowed to evacuate. That's what everybody coming out of the area is saying. We're being told there is no evacuation. We're being told we're not allowed to. We're being shot if we try. And then when the, when the, when the news reports it, they go, you, they're not allowed to flee because Russia keeps killing them. And why do they say that? Well, because Ukraine government told us that. They openly say that. The very same Ukraine government we just pointed at has its very clear ties to a ultra-nationalist group funded, created, and grown by the CIA right up until today, right up until the 2014 regime change when they forced in the obvious shift into what we're currently looking at. However you want to look at it, guys, their fingerprints are all over building all of this. We were lucky in that nobody was hurt. After that, the DPR soldiers told us where to go. Right. The Russian, the, 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 what they're, the Russian separatists, they're calling them, and the idea being that they're the very people they keep saying are committing atrocities. They're murdering people. Russians are murdering people. Sure, I, I have no doubt that's possible. I need more than statements from the Ukraine government. And here, we continue to see them fight. We, we, see, we have endless examples of Russian troops giving people medicine and food and the very people fleeing from the Ukraine-controlled areas telling us they were shot at by the Ukraine. It just It's becoming impossible to ignore unless you're choosing not to look at it, just like with COVID-19, which again is why I do not believe that, that most people are buying this. It's crazy. Now here, just to make this point again, is Hannity. Wearing a CIA pen, because that's what he is, what he does, excuse me. And, of course, using, pointing at the Azov Battalion. So just so we're clear on that. So this is an undeniable reality of what these people are and the roots of where it was built from decades ago. And, of course, happily pointing at them. Here's what they told us to say. Or rather, here's what they told us, and here's what I'm just repeating it. So you can read that however you want. Same thing. Here's what they said, and here's what I said, again, without any due diligence, because Azov said, and that's what we're supposed to do. Right, so it wouldn't have the same kind of panage if it just said white nationalist extremists in Ukraine said. (laughs) That wouldn't work too well, would it? Now here, an interesting example of one of the presidential advisors to Zelensky, right now. That's this guy. Arrest, arrest, uh, dang it, I, I looked it up earlier. Arrestovich. Arrestovich. Let me know in the chat if that's reasonably right. I, I do actually look these up a lot of times when I get so busy and I forget. And then, I forget to, and then when I get in the show, I'm like, oh, what was it again? Arrestovich. Anyway, the point is this is a presidential advisor to Zelensky. And it's just right there as a Ukrainian presidential advisor. And of course, a blogger, actor, political, military community. Now, he's not, what he is is a blogger and an actor. That's what he is. He's a guy that worked alongside Zelensky with the TV station and everything else we've talked about. And then just now he becomes a political guy because that's the, the role he's playing. 
That's my perception on it, but it's pretty hard to miss the obvious connection to what we just discussed. I was just looking at this down here. You know, this is the idea that people keep pointing out is that he said this before in 2019, I guess, that this was going to happen. And they all, this is my point on that is they keep telling you from eight years ago, this before that even, but since 2014, that, oh, they're just about to invade. They've been saying it forever. The media just doesn't represent that. But the point is, this guy has some really interesting statements that you'll find interesting, especially when they discuss the correlate. The I guess I see the correlation with what he's discussing around ISIL, right? The, the very group that that we also know was ties right back to the Mujahideen and how they created that against the Soviet Union, became Al Qaeda, became ISIS. Now you can pretend, even though that's verifiable, by the way, you could pretend that that ended up being something that became its own thing, and now they're fighting it. But if that's the case, you still have to point out that they created it, whether by accident or by choice. But the reality being is we can also prove that they continue to fund and arm and shuttle around these people, flying them from Afghanistan to Iraq. And just because you don't want to look at it doesn't mean that's not very easy to prove. But here's what he has to say. Now it says the commanders of ISIL are considered some of the more wise and successful commanders that are currently, that there are currently, right, the commanders of ISIS. This is the this is the lead, the presidential advisor to Zelensky, who was a puppet himself, all these guys tying back to the same entity, the same controlling factors, and he's openly saying the commanders of this group are considered some of the most wise and successful. Everything is thought through in detail, even the degree of cruelty. So, so wouldn't that be something we should consider to what they're currently doing? Cruelty for show. It is inhumane, but it is of a very high level, a wise strategy. That's his terminology. So it's wise to be overtly cruel and inhumane, but for political reasons. That sounds like a CIA talking point, guys. This is like a right out of how to operate an insurgency. Taking their particular interest into account. Here he is again. He says they are acting very correctly. Correctly, he says. There's a big book where I analyze ISIL quite well. For them, best practice of how to run business is best practice of governance. Those that the world needs, parallel to that, this means terrorism, middle-age cruelty, middle-age cruelty, like medieval cruelty, the burning of people, shooting and cutting off heads. I mean, guys, this is what he is promoting. You know, you could argue it doesn't mean that he'll do it himself, but he's going, yeah, yeah, that's, that's successful. That's how you do that the right way. That's what he is saying himself. He wrote the book. He, he wrote a book about it, apparently. This is absolutely a network of the future. Not, it's not hard. That's impossible to misunderstand. Think about that, guys. This is the, pre- the advisor to the president, the puppet president of Ukraine right now, openly promoting ISIL and their and their cruelty, beheading people, burning people alive. Going, that's how you do it. But we're, but we're conspiracy theorists for pointing out that they're capable of stuff like this. Because the Western press has chosen a side, therefore anything pointing at stuff they don't say is fake news, 
bring just aggressive going after the fighting people censoring people like over the top frothing at the mouth kind of censorship like so quick they're so quick to go after anybody i mean guys this is exactly like COVID 19 it's just exactly the same kind of fervor like they just can't and of course it's we know this stuff is undeniable and eventually they're going to give you some kind of you know little crumbs like well, yeah well sort of like they're already doing well yeah there are nazis but not what putin said yeah, except that you 30 seconds ago just yelled we were fake right when we said that, and now you're admitting that it is good. You see, it's just dumb. Like, they must feel stupid when they do that. But that shows you that it's not really about informing them, and they know that. Their job is to propagandize. Oh, here's, I want to include this. This is just the the Telegram link from, from where uh, I believe it came from. Now, here is somebody pointing out the same person. Is a Machiavellian psychopath, he says. He admitted that he has been lying about the success of Ukraine. We already know this, by the way, and the downfall of Russia as a part of a propaganda war. All the current disinformation, the ghost of Kiev, Snake Island, these are all blatant lies that have been on that anybody that still thinks the ghost of Kiev was real is, is even ignoring the West, the, the corporate press that pointed that out. And it was the independent or somebody else that said, guys, this is not real. This didn't happen. And yet the Twitterverse still just loves to use it because they don't want to, you know, the independent is a shill now because they said that. Just, Facts don't matter. That's what they try to present to people like us. But the reality is they're ignoring facts to go along with what they want to. to I mean, the, this, the, which one was the last one we just looked at? I think it was uh, Watson pointed that out. The, there was another, another video game. Uh, twice now they've used clips of video games. They must know that's easy to find out. And they just don't care because they know they've got the Western apparatus behind them. So the point is he's telling you relying about it. Now, this, this leads to the final point, and it will in a moment, that we talk about that. They're right now trying to frame what Russia's doing as them failing. Now, that certainly could be the case, and they certainly be, could, could be saying that because they're failing and want to cover it up. Any government would do that. But recognize what I've been saying the whole time. They stepped into this going, we do not want to occupy this country. We're not going to go after Kiev. We're not going to, you know, all this stuff. It's all about this and this and this, about stopping this threat, about stopping the Nazis and whatever else they said. Now, I promise you there's more to it than that. But recognize that at least they've said that. Their actions didn't show anything else. And now when they say, okay, we're going to pull back a little bit because there's talk and they go, oh, we're winning. We told you they're losing. And it's like, well, okay, at some point you have to ask whether they've been honest and they've shown you they're doing that and they've continued to do it. The only thing that suggests otherwise is the narrative coming out of the West. And I don't know why anybody would trust that, but it's certainly possible. I just, I've been, I've been queuing you for this the whole time. Just wait until like when eventually this thing goes away or it ends or something changes a year from now, we look back. And if he never did anything different than he said he was going to do, you need to consider whether he was just telling the truth. That has to be one of the options. You can't just go, well, Russia and they lie about everything. You can consider that, but you should also consider, you know, who also, also lies about everything, the government that's telling you to trust them. But he admitted to people that we're reading in, in another language that he that he is lying. They've openly said this about their propaganda campaigns. Now, the reality is this is impossible to deny. Impossible. They have built this 100%. They're arming and funding this group. Now, you could pretend if you want they're doing it for freedom or fighting for you or whatever nonsensical child fairy tale you want to tell yourself. That's my opinion. But nonetheless, you have to admit that they are doing this because it's on the record. It's on their own documentation. And maybe that's because they want us to see it. And we'll be there to say that when it becomes really obvious that was why. But here's a, a couple other ar links and articles I'll include, as I tend to do, because we just talked about this March 23rd. 
January 6th, the failed false flag meant to blame Russia and you using CIA grown as a battalion. This is because we had obvious evidence of Ukrainians on the ground on January 6th yelling Russian things. There's a bunch of different things. This, uh, the, main, the Western press pointed this out, except they're trying to use it a different way. But once you see the CIA connection, it's impossible to miss. We have this article showing you the obvious connection between the Ezra Battalion and what happened in Charlottesville. Me, showing you the building of this narrative against the white supremacist domestic terror threat they were pretending were hap- was happening when they were the ones building it over there. And they brought, because in this proof, in the article we'll discuss, as I'll point out here, it's a fact on the record that the Azov Battalion has an international entity and one of those, or entities, one of those is specifically the Rise Above Movement, and they were the ones at Charlottesville. That's them in the picture, right? So the Rise Above Movement is literally connected and funded by the Azov Battalion, which is literally connected and funded the CIA. Yeah, but that's just a coincidence, right? Of course, you don't forget on this other part that there was a Ukraine TV host openly calling for Russian children to be killed. Not Russian politicians, but Russian children just because they're Russian. But ignore it because fake news, right? And the last one, Whitney Webb discussed with me, January 6th, the Aza Battalion and the war on you, but framed as domestic terrorism. We discussed the base, a group that's literally run by an ex-operative, worked for the Department of Justice or Department of Homeland Security, and is now uh, a rogue and is operating this white nationalist group called the base, which, by the way, is the translation for Al-Qaeda. But yeah, nothing to be pointed at there. It's, I mean, either that's the most clumsy, obvious thing in the world, or it's what they say it is. I mean, I find it's like, I don't know how they would be that obvious with it. Maybe they want us to see it, but it's obvious this is being built, in my opinion. A far-right battalion, here's, the C, here's CNN today. Here's what they're saying today. A far-right battalion has a key role in Ukraine's resistance. Yeah, didn't they just say for, I mean, guys, this is so embarrassing. Why do these people have jobs? I didn't even think about this when I first put it up. Didn't they just say when this started that they were just a small little volunteer group that had really no bearing on what was happening? Yeah, oops, that's out of the bag. So now we're going to completely shift our narrative and go, yeah, yeah, they are sort of far right and they are dangerous and they do have a very important role. But here's why you're not understanding the situation. You guys are caught, okay? You got caught. Just admit it, but they'll never happen. How? I mean, I should have done that, actually. Maybe I'll come back to that later. Find me an article where they were just moments ago saying that they're just a small volunteer battalion and it's not really involved, that they're over-accentuating the point and what they do and their role's not that important. And here we are saying the exact opposite. God, that's embarrassing. It's neo-Nazi history is being exploited. <laughs> oh, I see. It's history. You mean it's history right up until like 30 seconds ago when they're conducting open extremist actions or right before this started when they were openly doing it or right now when you can look at their Nazi symbols on their flags and giving in or all the things that's yeah, all been exploited by Putin, apparently. How embarrassing. Putin framed their invasion as a special mission to do this. OK, my point is always that this is, yeah, that could be the case or he could be that could be the real reason. Maybe he literally did it to do this. While there, I'm sure there's all sorts of things he's taken advantage of. My point is this. Did they prove that's not what he thinks? No. It's a wildly subjective, well, we don't, well, Russia, bad guy, so they, we know they wouldn't do that. That's your Western press today, guys. It's a special, he framed it as this, and that's not the truth. Did you prove that? No. I don't understand why people don't laugh out loud about that. You can simply say, we don't believe that's what he's doing it for, but they just state this fact in the first sentence, that's not what's happening. Because we said, I mean, guys, these people are children. I can't get past it. And a speech broadcast minutes before the invasion, 
He said, we will seek to demilitarize and denazify Ukraine, which, by the way, literally seems to be what's happening, at least on the surface. But of course, they go ignoring the fact that he's Jewish. Well, oh, so what? That means literally nothing, especially since the U.S. government is caught working alongside Nazis or that the uh, Israeli government has been has openly caught funding the Azov Battalion, even though they're right extremist and neo-Nazi. Or the fact that Kolomoisky is, oh, is a Jewish individual that lives in Tel Aviv and also funds them. Or the point that it doesn't really matter because during World War II, there was examples of Jewish people working with the Nazis. But yeah, let's ignore all of those very obvious and childish level points because, well, he's Jewish, you racist. You know why? That's, that is Israeli-level manipulation. Look at the government of Israel just murdered people. Oh, you hate Jews. Oh, really? <laughs> what a really logical and intelligent argument when I pointed at a government murdering people in their war. You see what I mean? It's that simple because people are afraid to be called a racist. Obviously, that's where we are today. You know what? And maybe if you are, that you maybe are afraid of it. I'm not. I'm not. I openly fight for people that have no voice all around the world. So come at me with your garbage because that's not even, I'm not even remotely scared of it. The bottom line is just because he's Jewish, if he really is Jewish, means nothing in the context of what's actually happening right here. Nothing. And that's all they got, guys. That's all they got. For the Kremlin, Exhibit A in this special mission is the far-right Azov movement, part of the military and political landscape for nearly a decade. Azov's military and political wings formally separated in 2016. That's utterly not, that's utter nonsense. When the far-right National Core Party was founded, that's, they didn't separate. Guys, this is on the record. They literally just became their own political party. But you see, they just lie to you right there. And the bottom line is, on top of that, we know that Olina, I believe was her name, who is the leader of the National Corps, is the very person who met with the Rise Above movement. They're just desperate to split this off, so it's not the same thing. And then it says they had been integrated into the National Guard. So that, what, so that it just went away? <laughs> so even when you ignore that first part, being integrated in the National Guard is the same idea. But the point is, it, it, it's Svoboda which, by the way, stupidly means freedom. It's always like the Patriot Act. You know, it's always how they act. It's always how they operate. Svoboda is an aggressively extremist group. They've been there long before this even happened. So we just don't care about that one? What about the right sector? What about the Georgia Legion? Nah, we don't care about them. We're only going to point at the one that people on the normie side of things are even aware of. Right? So when we point at the right sector, they go, that doesn't even exist. <laughs> Wait, CNN didn't even mention them. Right. The entire military is infiltrated, guys. This is not hard to point out. An effective fighting force that's very much involved in the current conflict, right? The effective fighting force. They're openly supporting neo-Nazis right now. The battalion has a history of neo-Nazi leanings. God, that's bad journalism. That's just straight up lies, which have not been entirely extinguished, right? So you're even backhandedly admitting that you're supporting these groups. Even It's just so funny how bad this is and how... I mean, I can't, I'm trying to think about the mindset of the person writing this. They're being forced to write it, I can almost promise you, because this is uncomfortable for them. In its heyday, and I'm talking about the lower level people that don't really know what's going on, whether anybody in CNN, even remotely the top, still does. But the point is, the writer here, they, don't, they, they think they're fighting for freedom and fighting against white supremacy, and they're going, wait a minute, I mean, you literally told me to write this right now? We're saying they still have Nazis and we're supporting them? It's like, it's just, they must be confused. Now, I'm going to move past this right now. I'll come back to this in general. I want to make fun of this later. I only saw this right before we got when I went live. But the point is, bottom line, is they're just simply going, no, it's just a small thing. And it's not, I mean, it's it goes back to the beginning of this, to right after World War II, of just growing fascism to the point that they, on the record, 
And I, don't, I just keep using this tweet just because it's easy and because it has the four links right here for you to look at for yourself. Facts. The U.S. Congress made sure Azov would get arms in 2016, despite what the Western press will tell you. Actually, let me see if they even said that in there. <laughs> Check this out. This is just today. I thought, dang it, I thought that was going to be the one. Never mind. This, they're, what they're saying right there is that they were, the governments are still sending weapons to this country. But the point is, as far anywhere you want to look, including this, articles as of days ago, they still argue that Congress stripped, like removed, or rather included language that stopped weapons going to the Azov Battalion back in 2016. The point is, as the nation points out, and anybody honest points out, that the Pentagon stepped in and did away with that. They removed the language and still projected to the world that we stopped that from happening. Slotkin reached out to uh, uh, Blinken, Democratic Senator Slotkin reached out to Blinken in 2021 and wrote a big letter that said, these are terrible Nazis. <laughs> Nobody cared, right? I mean, it's just so obvious. The point is they made sure that they kept funding them. How do you explain that other than what we just discussed? Why would you make a big show about not funding them to then quietly fund them? Because it's an agenda. It's not very hard to see. CIA, CIA has trained them since 2015. There's been multiple examples of this now that have come out. Covert CIA operations training programs for these very entities in, in both, both operations for training and actual military operations conducted by the CIA. Since 2015, the FBI itself verified that the Azov Battalion is neo-Nazi, is immersed with the government of Ukraine, and that Charlottesville is literally their political faction. 2018, a post containing a photograph of the Rise Above Movement members during their trip to Germany, Ukraine, and Italy with Olina Semenkia, the leader of the International Department for National Corps. Right there. Good job, CNN. You're terrible. Which is a political party in the Ukraine, which was founded in 2016, out of a regiment of the Ukrainian military called the Azov Battalion. No, they didn't separate, guys. They just became a political entity. I know, he says, that the Azov Battalion is a paramilitary unit of the Ukrainian National Guard which is known for its association with neo-Nazi ideology and the use of Nazi symbolism, and which, by the way, half the media is still defending and arguing isn't true, and which is believed to have participated in training and radicalizing U.S.-based white supremacy organizations. So Germany, Ukraine, Italy, exactly the point, which is exactly the locations of their movement that's gone international. Germany's Third Path, America's Rise Above Movement, Italy's Casa Pound, and of course, Ukraine with the Aza Battalion. This is... Kuzminko, who's arguing before this started that this is a problem. All that's on the record, guys. And yet here's CNN just pretending like that's not the case. Nah, just some small thing from, you know, that isn't really a problem that Putin's exploiting. No, you guys are terrified that people are going to find out that you're promoting, supporting, and blindly reporting what they'll tell you from the open neo-Nazi groups while you pretend you're fighting a war on white supremacy. You got, You just can't get more stupid than that. And then, of course, just to make sure you understand what's happening, Biden just approved another $500 million out of your pocket while you can barely feed your family in many cases. Direct aid to these neo-Nazis right now. Open to Ukraine. Right. Military assistance. Like these are long since been red lines that have been crossed. Nobody cares. And then if, if Putin does something about it, look at what Putin just did as they cross the line that was very clear and discussed. You are funding a war of extremists, just like in Syria, just like in Afghanistan, just like in Iraq, just like anywhere else you could point to. Libya. I mean, how many examples do we need to recognize the overlaps, guys? Finally, I just want us to think about what this person says. This is the representative in the UN to Ukraine. 
he is openly telling the Russian at the time he's the president of the of the of the meeting as they rotate presidents. He's telling the president at the moment, the Russian representative, there is no purgatory for war criminals. They go straight to hell. Well, first of all, it's pretty obscene for a war criminal to be pointing at them and calling them war criminals. But on top of that, you know, the, the, a war criminal backed by the worst war criminals on the planet, which is the U.S. government. The point is that he's telling you they go to there's no purgatory for war criminals. They go straight to hell. I mean, what is that? What this is supposed to be a political discussion. Can you prove that? I mean, what a stupid thing to say. So war criminals, I mean, I, what do you mean? They don't go to purgatory? I mean, that's just, obviously, do I even state that? There's no, he doesn't know that. How could you possibly know that? This is just a political talking. This is a point that's meant to go viral, which doesn't seem like it really did. But it's just discussed. This is the equivalent of baby strollers rolled out in a square. It's meaningless. But all the bleeding Karens out there on this narrative will be like, yeah, Garvin war criminal, you don't go to hell, you're going to go straight to hell. This, in my opinion, this is the sort of right side of this to be pointing at, sort of like where Trump becomes a Christian when he was never really a great, it's, it's manipulation. But as always, from all sides, here is what Zelensky is telling you. Just as we expected, dr- pushing in the lie that was the Chernobyl manipulation. And what's funny is this has been called long before this happened. And this is one of the most obvious and clumsy attempts at one of these false flags that they continue to do. Oh, that's right. I don't need it because it's in uh, subtitles. It says, Russian people, I want to appeal to you. How is this possible? And as somebody pointed out, I think it was right here. She says, uh, says the boy in a T-shirt. It's funny. Somebody down here said, basically, was that a threat to the Russian people? It definitely could be, right? Russian people, I want to appeal to you. How is this possible? After all, we fought together in 1986 against the Chernobyl catastrophe consequences. You have to remember smoldering graphite, which was scattered across by an explosion. The victims. Have to remember irradiation over the... You remember the evacuation? He's basically just saying, you know, Chernobyl. All the things that happened. How can you forget that? And if you have not forgotten, you should not be silent. What is it? See, what he's basically what he's saying is because we yelled without evidence that this happened, they did something in Chernobyl. Look at what they did. Everybody talk about it. And because not everybody's talking about it, he's going, What are you doing? Why aren't you talking about it? Maybe because there's no proof, Zelensky. Maybe because you've been caught lying about a thousand things so far and nobody trusts you in your tight little green shirt, right? I mean, why are you wearing that same shirt all the time? Oh, because you want to look like military, right? Mr. Military over here. I mean, it's such a show. All this is such a show. The bottom line is, there is no evidence this actually happened in regard to what they say Russia did. And there's no logical reason why they would do that, especially since it's something they've been in control of for a month, and now all of a sudden they do something that puts themselves at risk? Like, that's just stupid. Why would they create a potentially radiation situation in an area that they're currently in control of? I mean, guys, nobody thinks past these things in the in the two-party paradigm. You must tell your authorities, take to the streets and say you want to live. <laughs> you know what this probably is going to lead to is a fake protest, which they point at and then they shoot at and say, look at what they just did. They shot protesters, right? Why wouldn't they use that same old thing again they've used everywhere else? Just a thought. You want to live on an earth without radioactive contamination. Well, maybe if that's what you want, stop using it to make nuclear weapons. You know, just a thought. 
<laughs> Somebody's saying that I think we might have just got shut down on YouTube. I'm going to look real quick. I just love that. I love when they hit you right in during the show. It it, may, it means that you're right over the target. <laughs> that's what I that's what I usually think. No, it looks like we're still up. Yeah, we're still up. I'm not sure. Some of the chat were saying we were down, but anyway, let's keep going. It says uh, radiation does not know where Russia is. Which is a stupid way to say that, by the way. He's basically trying to insist, say that, you know, Russia, it, it's indiscriminate. <laughs> this very educated president doesn't know how to speak properly, in my opinion. But the point is that he's going to continue to go on. Oh, right there. Don't no, don't miss this, by the way. Either Daily Mail clip cut this or they cut this, which is not usually what you get with a supposed live press conference. Watch, watch the little blip. Clip right there. Immediate strengthening of sanctions against the country. Which is which? A nuclear terrorist is needed, right? So now, now apparently, Russia's a nuclear terrorist, right? Remind me again: the only country to use nuclear weapons on civilians? Oh, that's right, the U.S. government, right? Why in the world would Russia be a nuclear terrorist? Because Zelensky says they did something without proving it, because it's easy. That's all. They just like the thing. They're gonna I mean, just look at COVID. Look at any other war they've ever been involved in. How many things are being exposed as lies? Look at this one. Look at the endless examples of things they've already been caught for that they just don't want to point at. That's not in my opinion. For those that might just be tuning in, the ghost of Kiev has already been shown to be false by the by the Western press, by the corporate media. But there's video games have been used, images over Russia that are claimed to be over Ukraine. I mean, it's undeniably there. But he says, so they'd love to report it. And then, of course, the immediate introduction of a no-fly zone. Right, That which, by the way, as plenty pointed out, is... I mean, I don't want to go as far as to say that will be World War III because that's what people would suggest happened in Syria. And they did do no flying zone in Syria. And they didn't ultimately end up. The point is, it will lead to conflict. It will lead to more content, more tension. Bottom line, it will lead to NATO involvement. And I think that's the point, right? He is desperate for that. As much as they keep trying to yell, we're never going to be involved. They, NATO will never do that. They, they, just like they say, I'm never, I didn't ever even thought of running for president. And then you'd find out they've been planning it for 10 years. It's all politics, guys. If there's a no fly zone and actions taken against Russian planes, which are undeniably going to be flying over Ukraine, then it's going to become something very serious. And it's just, a, it's a game of chicken. Will they shoot down a Russian plane? What will Russia do if they do? NATO will get involved no matter what. And then you will have a Cold War situation pretty much, or possibly a real World War III situation. I just kind of don't really see that coming. I don't see that being something any of them want, my opinion. Explosions heard after Russia says it will cut back military operations. Of course, Jeez, let me, I want to, hold on. I don't want to forget that. Talk about that in a second. Because this is just exactly what I would have expected, but let's keep going here. No fly zone. It is needed because only this measure can guarantee that Russian will not hit nuclear infrastructure with rockets and air bombs. <laughs> air bombs? Well, who is this guy? <laughs> what is this guy, 16? Anyway, the point is, I just, there's zero logic here. There is no evidence or logic to why Russia would just attack nuclear infrastructure. I mean, in fact, by the way, there's a kind of a longstanding unspoken discussion about these kind of things. It just doesn't make sense. And I wouldn't expect someone like this who was previously an actor and has no political background or any other background to know that. 
So, you know, we have to realize that not everything he's saying and doing and not everything the Aza Battalion is doing is actually directly tied right back to the CIA or the government. Like always, these things kind of, they lose control over some parts of it. Zelensky probably makes statements all the time that they go, shoot, just shut up for a second. We don't want to do no-fly zone. We don't want to do this. But he wants it. Or the other battalion says, we want this. And they don't care what this puppet says. And they've said that on the record. We don't care what you say. You're not real. I'm 41 years old. I'm the president, he said back to them because as they laugh at him, they don't believe him. The point is that a lot of things happen that are sort of around the side, the periphery of the real agenda. There's no reason that would make sense at all. But of course, believe it because Russia bad guy, right? Yeah. They deliberately destroy civilian infrastructure, destroy people, destroy residential blocks. Well, I haven't seen any evidence that that is what they've done. You keep showing things in Mariupol and the Western press blindly says they did it because you said they did it. Where's the evidence that they're targeting civilians? I mean, we and, and again, I've never said that's not possible. I simply argue that it wouldn't make sense without some kind of political or strategic benefit to it. Any government would do it, in my opinion. My point is, on the other side of it, I've, I could sit here and show you four hours of footage of people leaving Ukraine saying they shot at us. They did this. They bombed our houses. They claimed it was Russia. In fact, on top of that, we told you they called this out. They said they're going to do terrible things in Mariupol. And don't forget, they were on the record saying that before this happened. But we pretend none of that exists because mainstream media, right? Yesterday only in Chernyiv, Russian bombed and killed 47 people. What? Show me. Show me the evidence of Russia's bombs and where it came from and how we can prove any of this happened. Nope. Report it. Maternity ward was shown to be false. We showed you the other one about the theater. All these things are coming directly from the mayors on the ground or Ukrainian government direct. None of this is being proven. And some of it, most of it, in my opinion, has been shown to be false. I've done some myself. Showing you, look at what they just said. The kindergarten from the very beginning. They lied about it, guys. They lied about where it was. They tried to use it, and it got shuttled away really quickly because it was obviously a lie. You can't claim that something in your territory was bombed when it turns out it was in Donbass. That's what happened, though. Our defense causes massive losses to the enemy. Almost 9,200 occupants were killed as of the morning of the ninth day. Well, that doesn't seem to be, I mean, sure. I'm not, I don't know for sure whether Ukraine's winning or Russia's winning. All I do ultimately see is that Russia's kind of continued to do what it says it was going to do. And a lot of analysts and, and, and insiders, even in the Western press, are seeing the opposite. Like laughing about that. No, Russia's not being defeated. Like it's or you're not running out of bullets and all the nonsense they keep spitting. Like think about how stupid that is. Where'd that come from? Oh, the Ukrainian government, right? They told Russia's running out of bullets. Where it happened? Did they run out of bullets? No. Why don't we look back at that and go, they lied. They were wrong. Maybe they're lying or wrong now. Nope. Not in the Western media today. We just jump to the next lie and keep going. Kharkiv, yet again, keeps coming up. The capital remains a key target for the occupants, which, by the way, I don't buy for a second. They have told us that wasn't the point, and they could be lying. But my point is simply this. Why would they continue to just bomb into an open civilian area? They're not. They're, right now, they're in control of Kiev. So why would Russia, the Ukrainian government, why would Russia just bomb into a middle of the area of civilians? There has to be some kind of strategic benefit there. I'm not saying it's not possible. What I'm saying is if, that, if something illogical is happening, we should demand evidence to back it up. And then everybody that we talk to that flees out of Kiev is saying they're doing terrible things to us, the Ukrainian government. 
Just trust it because that makes sense. And of course, this one we just discussed, this was the 28th and the discussion of Kolomoisky, right? Zelensky linked to the Yaza Battalion. And that's them right there. But yeah, it's all fake news, though, right? That was recent, by the way. But yeah, it's all way back in the day. No, don't look at it. Just pretend it's not there. These people are bad. Zelensky is linked to the very group that they've built and used because Zelensky himself is a cutout from these intelligence operations. And you can tie him back to the example of, I mean, the very TV show he was put in where he played the president to get him to be known as the president and then use him to then manipulate everything that happened to put him into place. This is a lie. I mean, come on, guys. You can't watch as the very TV station that is owned by Kolomoisky is what they did this on. Then he becomes the president for real. Kolomoisky funds the entire campaign and then they bring in the entire group from the TV station to run as his cabinet. This is what a fake news story looks like. I don't think you're supposed to know these things. It's just ridiculous. What, like, at the very least, why would you pretend these people are legitimate when all they were was a TV station crew? In part. I'm sure there's more people now. The point is that's ridiculous. Kolomoisky is the direct connection, in my opinion, to the funding of the Gaza Battalion and all the radical groups they used. And this person you're staring at, who is a puppet of the CIA. Now, George Webb points out Kolomoisky rolling out a new CCHF vaccine in the virus vaccine game in Ukraine, question mark. Now, this is hypothetical research, but I find this to be sort of interesting. He says, looking at, and the CCHF stands for hemorrhagic, it's right here, I think, uh, Crimean Congo hemorrhagic fever, which he argues looks very similar to COVID-19. And he says, looking at the spikes, are you sure they should look like the spikes of coronavirus and influenza would mean gain of function? The point is they're talking about how this person may be setting up an agenda to create the vaccine necessity, which creates the, the drive to bring people in. And that's kind of what he argues is this back and forth vaccine and then kind of like problem reaction solution, which is what they do everywhere. Now, I, I, I haven't really followed George Webb for a long time. Somebody just, somebody just kind of put this in front of me, and I was like, well, that's very interesting. So I'm going to look back into it more. He does tend to be a, large, a lot ahead of some of these things, but I'm very skeptical about where he gets this information, about why some of the things he has in the past don't really pan out. But as you, you know me, I'm skeptical of everybody. But this I find very intriguing. So I'm going to continue on this. But as he says, Gilead sees it. He says, watch for Gilead making this kind of injection. So just throwing it out there. If it does happen, I'd find that very revealing. Now, Russia, as the BBC claims it, frames it as, says it will dramatically reduce assault on Ukraine's capital, Kiev, where its advance is stalled. Now, that's not necessarily how this was framed in two different ways. That's the BBC saying that. Almost every other outlet frames it as, will reduce military operations around Kiev following talks with Ukraine. Isn't that funny how dr dramatically different that is? Very, very different. The point is, they are now reducing their operations around the capital, which they, as far as they're saying, they haven't actually pushed into Kiev. But on top of that, not because they are being, you know, beaten, where their advance is stalled. I mean, it's just such clumsy, clunky propaganda. BBC is really bad at this lately, anyway. The bottom line is, they're in the middle of talks. Now, yes, could they be being defeated? And this is a, they're framing it differently so you don't realize that. That's always possible. My point is that that's not what they've been saying and not what they said they were ever going to do. And the bottom line is now they're pulling back is what they're claiming anyway, because they're in the middle of talks with Ukraine, which all that makes perfect sense. So why would we not look at the logical discussion or would we ignore that and point at what they said is happening? We can't prove just because they're a media apparatus that said it. I mean, it's just dumb. That, that is choosing your narrative. 
That's create your own narrative, like the books we used to read, right? You don't get to do that. You can look at this and go, maybe they're doing that because of this, but you have to look at both sides of this. The BBC is just clumsy. Now, Ukraine offers neutrality in exchange for NATO-style security guarantees at Russia Talks. This is where the t- this was yesterday. Now, I don't think this is going to pan out to finish up the show here. I don't think this is going to happen because, as I'm realizing, I went way too long on this last part. Shoot, it's already an hour and 40. I got to get out of here. <laughs> it's five o'clock is when it's supposed to happen. Ukraine offers neutrality. The bottom line is it, it ultimately seems to me to be arguing that we're going to be neutral but it leads to a situation where they could manipulate it the same way and lead to the same things. I don't think Russia is going to buy it. My opinion. It says Ukraine proposed adopting neutral status, which, by the way, ask yourself why it makes sense if Ukraine's winning that they will be giving concessions. Of course, they're going to frame it as, well, because they just want peace and they're, they're good guys and they don't want to let people get suffering. No, this very clearly suggests that they are the ones losing and they're going, well, we'll how about we do this? Ukraine doesn't want that. On the, on the surface, they've been like, we want NATO, we want to be a part of NATO. We want this to happen. We want support from these people. We don't, that's what they contend, they've been saying this from day one. So for them to now go, well, how about this instead? My opinion is that suggests that they're the ones bringing concessions to the table. Now they're saying we're adopting a neutral status in exchange for security guarantees at talks with Russia and Turkey, meaning it would not join military alliances or host military bases. I doubt that will ever be the case. But Ukrainian negotiators said this on Tuesday. The proposals would also include a 15-year consultation period on the status of Annex Crimea and could come into force only in the event of a complete ceasefire, the negotiators told reporters. The proposals are the most detailed and concrete that Ukraine has aired publicly. They also envisage, envisage security guarantees along the lines of the NATO military alliances, Article 5, its collective defense clause. Yeah, right. There's no way that would, they would ever take that, in my opinion. Poland, Israel, Turkey, and Canada could be among the potential security guarantors. Yeah, right. So basically, as far as I understand this, it would mean that Israel, Poland, Turkey, and Canada would come to their defense. If if Ukraine initiates Article 5 under the claim that they're being attacked, or let's say Israel on the ground, which is the point in Ukraine, decides to carry out some kind of false flag and go, look, look what they just did. Now we have to come in to help Ukraine because they're a part of this agenda. My point is there's no way this loophole would be allowed because Russia is well aware at what they would do as well. Well aware. They would lie about this. They would manipulate this for their ends. We know that. They know that the U.S. government would drive this into reality if they wanted to. So they wouldn't, in my opinion, allow that. But if they do, it might suggest to me that there's more coordination than we see. Just my opinion. But it says, we will not host foreign military bases on our territory as well as deploy military contingents on our territory. Too late. Already there. And you know how they loophole that? There are only volunteer brigades. And we have 40,000 volunteer veterans over here. (laughs) Yeah, right, guys. That's a military deployment. We're hiding behind that, in my opinion. And we will not enter into military political alliances. I just don't believe that for a second. Military exercises on our territory will take place with the consent of the guarantor countries, which would be Israel, Canada, Turkey, and Poland. Okay, so that means that Israel will be conducting exercises on Ukraine territory. I don't know why that seems like a safe bet. And it says they're awaiting Russia's response. So my opinion would be they're going to say no, because we can't allow this where you're just going to use the same excuse, the same mechanisms to justify more action like they already have. But it does show you Ukraine seemingly giving concessions, which suggests something different than what they're framing. Now, finally, Russia 
is saying as of today, I understand, or at the very least what Reuters is reporting, they're saying Russia won't demand immediate switch to ruble gas payments, which is too bad. I think they should if they want to actually play this game. But this was a big point that they pulled back on, at least as it seems. What I think is interesting is even though this is being stated and they're going, well, we're not going to force you to do that. Guess what's still happening anyway? Germany and Austria taking steps toward gas rationing. So maybe, just maybe, this was a means to an end. Great reset sort of stuff, which we know the Russian government are definitely involved in. Well, this all keeps leading in the same direction. We just saw Klaus Schwab telling you that this is food rationing, like that their agenda disconnected from Ukraine will lead to food, food issues. But yet simultaneously, we're saying food issues are because of Ukraine. Like, oops, <laughs> definitely connected in one or everything else they're doing. There is more obvious things happening behind all of this or being rationalized because of it. It's up to you guys to come to your own conclusions about it. But this, guys, is not because Russia bad guy. That is because of coordinated efforts as well as conflict from all sides taking place. But rationing this could be done in argument of saying, well, it's because they might do this again. But regardless, it came to this point now. And you can't miss the connection of that to all the larger things that we see happening because of their agendas around COVID and everything else. But after they say they're going to cut back their operations around Kiev because of peace talks, what happens? Immediately an explosion in the area that, what? That they did while they were in peace talks? Certainly possible. Or is it more likely, in my opinion, that they, the obvious extremists on the ground and the, and the puppet government that doesn't want this to go to peace talks carries out an operation, just like happens in every single time in every other part of the world we point out. Syria, it happened every time. It happens every time in Yemen, too, where they go, we're in peace talks, and all of a sudden, boom, this happens, this happens, and it, it's just a justification. Despite Russia's announcement that it would pull back forces, explosions were heard. I mean, that's the mo- this is BBC again. What do you mean, despite announcements? Like, that's a way of childishly saying Russia did this without saying Russia did this. I mean, that would even say without. That's literally them saying that. And it's just clumsy. Despite their announcement to pull back, there were explosions this morning. That's them saying they did this. That's just stupid. They didn't prove that. There's no evidence that it even happened. And here we are. Why do they know this? The governor of the Donetsk, uh, Donetsk Oblast said on Wednesday that Russian forces were shelling several towns. That's not the governor of Donbass. That is the puppet governor on the Ukraine side. Sort of like we have this guy Hadi over in Saudi Arabia. They pretend is the president of, of Yemen. They're lying to you guys. There's an endless list of manipulations and it's just time for people to see that. They are supporting the worst of the worst and they always have. As long as you could point back. They've been building this threat and it's time to recognize that they're planning to use it against you. It's never been more clear. Thank you for being here today and continuing to fight for this information. Share it as far as you can. We are being suppressed and attacked like all of you like are in this chat, and it just never stops. So the more we can share this, the more that we can get this out there organically, the better. And continue to send support, continue to send me information, stay connected with us because we need to stay connected for the eventual more suppression, censorship, attack from, you know, I mean, somebody even just said to me, like, here, here's my address just in case we get literally down to mail, which who knows, may be the case. But I won't stop because this is important. And I believe in you. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.